Good morning. My name is Ryan Tu. I'm the missions minister here at First McKinney. And as Justin said, we're in the middle, or jumping back into really, the multiply season. We launched this uh, early, earlier this year with the idea of multiplying relationships, doing our disciple-making ministries, and multiplying churches because that's what churches do. Churches plant churches and also multiplying environments for the sake of our students and the next generation. And I have the privilege today to be preaching really towards our multiplying churches. If you weren't with us two weeks ago, we had a fun announcement. Uh, I'm having the privilege uh, with my wife and our family and a few of you who have already committed, we're going to go plant a church. We're going to plant a church in Melissa, Texas, 10 minutes north in a town who desperately needs more churches. And so we're going to talk about really what that mission is and why we're doing that today. And if really, if you have any interest in that church plant, we'll have an interest meeting right after this, down the hall, actually after the second hour. You can come join us in the fireside room if you're north of 380, if you have interest in that. But again, we're getting to plant a church, and this is, a, is an exciting season. But again, why, why do we even do that kind of mission? Why are we participating in that kind of mission? I think the question, you got to back it up a little, is this. Why do we exist? You ever thought about that? Why do we exist, humanity? Why do you exist individually? Some of you have gotten to see why you exist in your life. God has provided moments in your life where you've gotten to fulfill those and step into those and see where God has been at work. But all of humanity, we exist to do this. We exist to glorify God. As Jesus says at the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, hallowed be your name. Our job is to set his name apart, to bring glory to his name, to let the nations know who their creator is. And how do we do that? What's one of the best ways that we do that? We worship our God. We are created to worship our God and our task is to start to gather the worshipers. So Revelation 7 shows us that. That in the end, we will know that the victory has come when all tribes, all nations, and all tongues are gathered around in a multitude that we cannot count. From time past and time future and time present, that every single nation, every single tribe knows the gospel. And the Lord starts to invite them in, and he told us how we actually accomplished this. That was in the Great Commission, Matthew 28. We'll go and make disciples of all nations. That is our task, that we will evangelize those and make disciples. And when a few disciples gather, guess what? you got a church. That's the mission. That's how you get from Jerusalem to McKinney in 2,000 years. So we're going to look at how this started and a little bit of this mission. If you want, you can jump right into your Bible about three-fourths of the way through if you're new to it. Acts 18. We'll be in the book of Acts, chapter 18. And as you find your way there, I'll tell you where we've been in Acts so far. If you've never read the book, Jesus has ascended to heaven. The Holy Spirit has come. The church has formed. And now the church is on the move. This man, formerly known as Saul, now Paul, is leading the way to the Gentiles. And now here in Acts 18, we're in the middle of his second missionary journey. So let's jump in. Acts 18, starting in verse 1, reads this. After this, Paul left Athens. He had just preached a wonderful sermon. He'd seen conversions, and now he's on his way to Corinth. This is a 53-mile walk. In verse 2, he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontius, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. This is likely the expulsion of 49 AD. Claudius accuses the Jews of a lot of bad things, and he kicks them out. So Paul went to see them. Verse 3. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. God provided Paul some co-workers. When you're living in God's mission, he will provide you some friends along the way. In our church planning journey, I started, I came out of college, I was working in business for six years. And the church that we joined in North Dallas did not have a head pastor. Lo and behold, our first year there, this guy named Jeff Warren shows up. For those who know, this is the former head pastor of this church, went down to lead the church in Dallas. My wife were just sitting there being soaked by the gospel, hearing the gospel preached. And then he hires this guy from East Texas named Sam and this really good worship leader named Justin from Kentucky. And he just forms this incredible leadership team. We got to watch them and then start to walk with them. And I was a tent maker by trade at the time. And I got to walk with these men and their faith and their families and be discipled by them. And so now we're 
getting to be the ones to go plant a church. And the Lord has provided some amazing coworkers already, some tent makers who are coming with us. God will provide you someone along the way as you walk in his mission. And so verse 4, he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. Paul says this in Romans 1. This is his job. This is his task to bring the gospel first to the Jew, then the Greek. He's a very educated man, Acts 22 tells us. And so the tradition would be that he would come to the synagogue and they would happily invite him in to teach. After several readings, then he would start to proclaim Jesus as Messiah. And then things would start to change a little bit in these synagogues. At first, he was pretty welcome. And we'll see why here soon. Verse 5. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. Silas and Timothy apparently were sent off to do some work. And really, this is the idea of missions. This is what the church does. People come in and out. We have seen this in our own church and our church staff. You're always saying goodbye in ministry. We're always saying goodbye in ministry. That's actually the mark of a healthy ministry, that people are being sent out that people are coming in and out. And then sometimes, sometimes, you're the one who has to say goodbye. You're the one to leave. And so this is not really our main focus today. We'll get to the focus verses here in a second. But I do want to ask you, as we saw in verse 5, they found Paul occupied with the word. Are you occupied with the word? Are you bathing in the word of God? Are you steeping yourself in it? Are you meditating on it day and night? I had a friend send me one of the most obscure questions I've ever had theologically this week. He's a member of this church. He shot me this really (laughs) weird link. We read the article and talked about it. But he is chewing on theology. He's diving deep because he is constantly in the word of God. And the Lord is bringing new things to him by the word. The word of God is a deep and bottomless well. It never runs dry. This is how we can preach on just 66 books until Jesus comes back. Because it's just endless, endless truths, endless layers to it. And they found Paul occupied with it. Are you occupied with the word? So Paul's testifying, and in verse 6 it says, When they opposed and reviled him, this is the rhythm typically for him. When they opposed and reviled him, he took out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your heads. I'm innocent from now on. I would go to the Gentiles. This pattern is repeated. You see Paul do this a lot. It's a very Jewish way of casting judgment. He's saying, I've done my job. I've been faithful. Now it's up to you and God. And he moves on. Verse 7. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. Now look at this. His house was next door to the synagogue. (laughs) Could you imagine? He's at First Baptist Corinth. They don't really like him, so he moves next door and plants Second Baptist Corinth. This just would have been really uncomfortable. Imagine what's going on here. Imagine the tension that's starting to arise in the city of Corinth. This is an influential city. This is a city much like where we live, like a DFW-type metroplex. It has influence, and things are starting to boil. Things are starting to simmer. Because look at verse 8. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord, together with his entire household. The drama is starting to ensue. When the leader of your church goes next door to the church that just started, it gets really uncomfortable really fast. When the gospel shows up in so many cultures, it is divisive. And that's exactly what's going on here. And guess what? It says that Paul continued to teach and many believed and were baptized. Now we have a church. The first church in Corinth has, a, has arrived. And yes, things are starting to boil. You can see the tension. You can feel the tension. And the Lord must need to say something to Paul. It doesn't really say that Paul's stressed out. But you can see what's going on. That things are starting to get a little uncomfortable. And so this is what God says to Paul. And this is where we're going to camp out for a bit today. In verse 9 and 10. And the Lord said to Paul, one night in a vision, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you. 
for I have many in the city who are my people. God has given his word to his church for his mission. Let me say that again. God has given his word to his church for his mission. First thing, God has given his word. Verse 9, and the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision. doesn't even matter after this what he has said. God is speaking to Paul. God is speaking to us right here. The word of God. If you want to hear God speak, just read the Bible out loud. That's how you get to hear his voice. Because all God has to do here is speak and his power takes action. When he speaks, things happen. When he speaks, things move. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us all scripture is God-breathed. It's profitable for teaching and correcting and training in righteousness. It prepares us for the good works that have been prepared for us. It is sufficient. It is inerrant. It is perfect. And it needs nothing else. We don't have to add to it. The fact that God has spoken is enough. God has given his word and he's given his word to his church, to his missional vehicle. Verse nine again. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent. For I'm with you and no one will attack you or harm you. For I have many in the city who are my people. Listen, whatever you have going on, you need to hear this. God sees you. God sees you. He's telling Paul, do not be afraid, Paul. I see you. I know this is hard. This should sound like familiar language. These words, do not be afraid. In Genesis 3, we really see the first interaction of this. Adam and Eve take of the fruit. They realize their shame, their nakedness. They are scared. And when God comes and seeks them and asks, where are you? As if he doesn't already know, as a good parent does. This is what Adam tells him. I heard you in the garden and I was afraid. Something dawned on them in their sin. When they realized things weren't perfect anymore. And the God that they were seeing terrified them because he is so powerful. But guess what? Ever since then, one of the most common phrases we see in all of scripture. Every time a messenger of God shows up, you know what he says? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. God sees you. God sees you. God sees you when you're hiding. God sees you when you're hurting. God sees you when you're wrought with shame. God sees you when you're just plain scared of what's ahead. And whatever you have going on, you need to hear this too. God hears you. Go on speaking, Paul. Do not be silent, Paul. This is personal and missional. This is for the sake of the mission, but God is talking to him personally. This is his message to the church, that God sees you and God hears you. Do not be silent. Go on speaking. Go on praying. He hears your heart. He knows your desires. He hears your prayers. He hears the broken ones, the hopeful ones, the tearful ones. God hears you. He hears you when you're at work for him. So go on because God hears you, because God sees you, God hears you, and God loves you. Verse 10, for I am with you. Similar messaging from Matthew 28. When he tells his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations. At the end of the Great Commission, he says, for I will be with you till the end of the age. God sees you, God hears you, and God loves you. To his people and Paul, to his church, he wants to be with you because he loves you. His presence is assurance. In the hard times, he will make it clear. In this church planning journey, we've been to a lot of different meetings, we've met different organizations. I now have a new friend, his name's John. He's a church planter in Minnesota. His church plant started to grow, and he started to get really sick. And he's fighting this battle. He's wondering, God, I'm, I'm being faithful. I'm doing what you told me to go do. I'm right in the crosshairs of, of your will, apparently. Planting churches, sharing the gospel with people in Minnesota. 
And he's got more and more and more ill, hurting and hurting. He's wondering, what is this for? And then they had a baptism service. They're out by the lakes behind his town. And his son is sitting there with a towel around his neck. His 17-year-old son stands up. He's telling everyone, I'm a fully devoted follower of Christ. I want to be baptized. And what really solidified this thing for me this year, this is his son talking about his dad, John. He says, was watching my dad suffer. And day after day after day, testifying to how good God is. And in that moment, John's prayer to God was, God, don't ever let the suffering end if this is the result. God sees you. God hears you. And God loves you. In the midst of all that's going on, he's using it. He's always using it. Because again, whatever you have going on, God loves you. And that's been happening even before anyone on earth knew you would exist. He's telling Paul, I'm in control here, verse 10, for I have many in the city who are my people. Do you hear those words? For I have many in the city who are my people. What a promise. And how can we trust this? How do we know that he knows? Because it's by the power of his word. Because he said so. Because it has been given to his church for his mission. For I have many in the city who are my people. The Old Testament and New Testament testify to this truth and this reality. Psalm 139 verse 16. This is a famous psalm. A beautiful psalm. And this verse says, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me. When as yet, there was none of them. Ephesians 1, verse 4 through 5, echoes this. This reality that even as he chose us in him, that being Christ, before the foundation of the world. Before the world was created, he knew that he would have many people in the city who are his people. He knew this about you. That we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Now hearing those words, let's read this again. For I have many in the city who are my people. He owns his people. He claims his people. He adopts his people and puts his name on them. They are in his family. Yes, God created all people and he loves all people. But when Jesus died on the cross, when Jesus took on the sin of the world, he knew there would be a people, a particular people, who would follow him. He knew that his purchasing, ransom, work on the cross would one day find its way to you when the gospel arrived and met you and the Holy Spirit awakened you. We can have confidence in this. His mission will succeed because it's a perfect plan. Because God, see this, God is sovereign over his mission. This gives, this gives us joy as we go out to reach people. We have confidence in what God is doing. There's a couple that my wife and I got to have dinner with as a result of this announcement. As a result of going to plant a church, we started to talk to a few families. And one of those families said, hey, can you come over for dinner? We got a few questions. So we started talking. And they told us, hey, this is kind of scary for us. Um, this is the third time we've been in the church that started a campaign to help raise money for some building funds. And every time we commit and then God makes us move. <laughs> They're like, the first two times we, we were all in, we were jumping in. And then the husband, the leader of the family, he, he got a new job and we had to move. We had to move towns, we had to move churches. It's just... It's difficult. So when we heard that the multiply thing was happening, they started to shudder just a little bit. They're thinking, oh, no, Lord, are you really going to make us move? But again, the Lord in the sovereignty of his mission, he was stirring their hearts. Because the minute that they heard, hey, we're planting a church and it's in your town because they live in Melissa. Yeah, they were pretty thankful they didn't have to move. They are moving churches as they committed to go with us. But again, his word his church, his mission, all of these things, as the Lord is sovereignly over them, the goal is not the mission. The goal is not the church. 
the goal is that as we go on mission, as we plant churches, and as the Lord ordains all of these things to happen, they all serve like prongs on a diamond ring. That the thing that we are supposed to do is the diamond on top. To treasure Christ together. This is what we are called to do. For he has many people in the city who are his people. And so we have the confidence to go out to a city who needs another church. As the population rises and the church engagement dies, there are many people in the city. We have faith that we will be faithful in the work. There are no promises. But our prayer is that, yes, we can go find those people who Christ died for. We long to see them treasuring Christ with us. Because God is never surprised when someone comes to faith. God is sovereign over his mission. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? Think about that. He's never surprised. Now, if you're really struggling here with the whole sovereignty thing and how that interacts with evangelism, I encourage you to email sam at firstmckinney.com and all of your questions will be answered soon enough. In the end, God is on a mission to get his people and he will get his people. He will gather the worshipers because it is about his glory and our good. So, What do we do with this? What do we do with this? Well, what did Paul do? Verse 11. He stayed a year and six months teaching the word among them. Simply, he trusted God and took the next step. We have sung this verse in a song all throughout this fall. Fighting a battle you've already won. Fighting a battle you've already won. Do not be afraid. Trust God and take the next step. He stayed a year and six months. He didn't know what the timeline would be, but God told him to stay, and guess what? He stayed. Because his positioning was this. He wasn't holding on tight to his plans. He just simply put his palms up. This is the positioning I invite you into. This is the positioning the Lord has done a number on me in the last 12 months to just abide. This is his church plan. He's bringing his people This is his plan, and we simply get to be a part of it. Trust God and take the next step in your life. How do you know what the next step is in your life? Psalm 37 verse 4 can tell you a little bit about this. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. The more you worship your creator, the more you become like him, your heart will be transformed. Your heart will come in tune with his, be in melody with his. Trust God and take the next step. Enjoy God, be in his word. Trust God and take the next step. Yes, if you're interested in the church plant, I ask you to trust God and take the next step. Simply just come to the meeting, shoot me an email, we can get together. But my job up here is not to sell you on coming to a church plant. My job is to preach the word of God. And the word of God shows here that a church who preaches the gospel, who upholds the scriptures, who loves one another and lives on mission, that's a place you wanna be. That's the kind of church we will be, but guess what? That's the kind of church this place is. This is an amazing church. We're so thankful to have been here for almost five years. I encourage you, Live with your hands like this. Take God, trust God, and take the next step. Take the next step in your life. What's the Holy Spirit calling you to? Entrust yourself to this church. Again, not the best sales pitch because I'm asking some of you to do more here. But just take the next step. In our story, Sarah spurred us on early in our marriage. Wives, spur on your husband's. If you know there's a meeting you need to have that the Holy Spirit's nudging you on, set the meeting. If there's something stirring in your heart, tell your friends, your spouse, your family about it. If you need to go find forgiveness of someone, simply go tell them you're sorry. If there is some kind of God-given idea that you are supposed to be pursuing, put pen to paper, get to work. Meet with a leader on staff, meet with a life group leader. If God is pulling you into the mission field, if God is pulling you into vocational ministry, that's simply what he did with me. 
get to sit in the pews and be bathed by the gospel. And over time, just a stirring, a seed was planted. Because you know who was in my small group who looked at me in the eyes and said, hey, have you thought about working in ministry? Sam Holm. I blame him for all of this. Planting that seed, but God used him. Go start that Bible study, engage that neighbor, schedule that time with your kids that you know you should be doing. Maybe this, go in that relationship. Get out of the unhealth. Call that person who's estranged to you. Confess your sins. Take the next step. Trust God. Sign up for the class. Read the book. Go on the mission trip. Serve locally. Do whatever God is calling you to do for the sake of his mission and his glory. Trust God. Take the next step. Because see this. In chapter 19, as you turn the page, that's just what Paul did. After he's in Corinth, after a big uproar, he sent back out, he makes his way to Ephesus, and he does the same thing. He shares the gospel. People are converted. Drama ensues. So they start a new church, and in verse 10 it says this of chapter 19. This continued for two years, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Let me read that again. This continued for two years, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and and Greeks. That's a ludicrous statement, if it were not true. At this point, most historians estimate this region in Asia, roughly 10 million people. This is likely how the church in Colossae was reached. Paul stayed in Ephesus, he taught. And as people came in and out, they trained them as disciple makers and church planters, and they went back out. Paul never even planted the church in Colossae. He wrote Colossians, the letter, but he never even saw them. We actually saw, most estimate that several churches that we read about in Revelation were reached in this season as there was a gospel explosion in the ancient Near East. Because if our mission is to bring glory to God, the way that we do that is through church planting. Yes, this is why we're going to plant a church. This is why planting churches has become such a great emphasis of our missions here. I'll end with this. My wife and I got to volunteer with a high school ministry early in our marriage. And every summer we go to camp and we get to have dinner with our cabins. Some of them, the only time in their weeks that they actually get to sit at a table and have dinner with people, the kind of lives they were living. And at the end of every camp, we take all those tables and we line them up in one solid row outside and take what was separate in groups of 10 and you'd have close to four to 500 students on one single table. However many eight-foot tables that is, I don't know. You can do the math. But to look down the hill of this camp and see this multitude gathered as one, this is what we're doing. We're inviting people to the table, to the great feast, as we get to be with Jesus one day again. That all may know that the Lord Almighty sees them and hears them and loves them so much. For that purpose, he gave us his word. He gave it to the church for his mission that all in the end may be treasuring Christ together. The Lord has not guaranteed us the same safety we see here as he did Paul, but he has guaranteed us his sovereignty. Let me say that again. The Lord has not guaranteed us safety, but he has guaranteed us his sovereignty. So trust God. Take your next step in his mission. Let's pray. God, we love you. As we just sang, Jesus, as you are a great high priest, that our prayers would arise to you as incense, holy and blameless through you, Jesus. Would you capture the hearts of so many here that they would trust you and take the next step, that they would embrace your mission to go plant churches, that they would embrace your mission to go love on their neighbor, that they would embrace your mission wherever you have them, God, that they would trust you and follow you and bring glory to you as we gather the worshipers to worship you into eternity. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I uh, wanted to do two things as we kind of finish up today. Do a real quick interview with Ryan and Sarah. Just a little more specifics about uh, what this next chapter for them looks like. 
Uh, and then we'll, we'll talk a little bit about how this obviously clearly ties in with multiply. So, um, obviously you didn't wake up two weeks ago and go, hey, we should go plant a church. This has kind of been going on for a while. T- yeah. Take me through kind of how you got to where you are. Yeah. Um, as I said, like Sam and Justin in my life have been Pauls. That's what I would call them. If I'm a Timothy, they're my Paul. And uh, there's another gentleman in our church, a lay member, who uh, we've just been walking closely with one another. And about a year and a half ago, uh, he did the same thing Sam did. He planted that seed of, could the Lord be calling you to go plant a church? And so I do what any good husband should do. I go home and talk to my wife. And she was just a little more gung-ho than I expected. (laughs) So if you want to tell them anything about that reaction. I mean, I... I can't remember like exactly what was going in, on in my mind in that moment when he said, you know, our friend has asked, said, mm-hmm. well, you should start praying about doing a church plant. My immediate response was like, yeah, okay, let's do it. Um, but I just feel like the Lord has, like, throughout all mm-hmm. of our ministry, like, been asking us to go and do things, and he's provided all along the way, so why would I hesitate in yeah. saying okay, yeah, let's pray about that. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's see what he has. So. Yeah. And so, yeah, we just kind of entered into the process. You, you know, do some assessments and have all the meetings, and here we are. Nice. It's that, it's that simple. It's that yeah. simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No problem. Why Melissa? Why, hmm. I mean, you could plant a church literally anywhere on the face of this planet. Why yeah. Melissa? Yeah, so uh, that's a great question. You know, there's the unreached people groups of the world. I think... Yeah, giving ourselves to vocational ministry, it's, God, you can take us anywhere. You can take us to Nepal, you can take us to Nebraska, like, it, you know, wherever you want. And when we, we tried to get a house really close to this physical building uh, four years ago, and the Lord, I believe, just providentially pushed us to Melissa. That's where our house, where we ended up. And we've been there for four years, and we have fallen in love with the city. And really, DFW in general, we all know this, the population is just exploding. And... They're just in Melissa alone, there's 25,000 people. It's projected to get over 100,000 in the next 20 years. McKinney is supposed to double in the next 20 years, just full warning. Um, <laughs> we need, like this church right here right now, two services, about 2,000 people, represents 1% of McKinney. We need dozens and dozens and dozens of more churches. Amen. And so in M- Melissa, uh, yeah, there's maybe enough for 2,000 people. And there's 25,000 people there. The North American Mission Board of, of the SBC estimates about now 75% of most cities are non-church, unchurched, unbelievers. So, yeah, it was kind of like, Lord, take us wherever, and he took us to Melissa. All right. Yeah. Sarah, you guys, the name of the church is Highlands Baptist Church. I don't necessarily think of uh, Melissa's being, you know, in the mountains, <laughs> the, the mountains of Melissa. Uh, t- tell me, why did y'all settle on that name? I feel like this is really, Ryan could probably answer this question better than I can. Um, yeah, yeah, you we, answer that. <laughs> we met with a few families and talked about it, but in short, in the 1800s, because we did a little research, uh, the folks who founded the city of Melissa came from the Highlands community. Well, it turns out the new city limits of Melissa, Highlands community is still in Melissa. Just, I think, two, mi- two miles is a long ways in the 1800s. So they're like, we're going to do a new city. And yeah, it wasn't that far away. Uh, but Highlands uh, is what they, where Melissa came from. And actually, if you stand in parts of Melissa, you can see in the like Trinity Falls, you can see in the McKinney. So it actually physically is higher. I mean, yes, it's a few, a few more feet, but. It is yeah. funny though, like when we were thinking through names, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, you want something to be like identifiable or mm-hmm. whatever, sure. but it really was kind of like, it's not about the name. Yeah. Like we, we wanted to have Baptist in the name cause it's going to be a Baptist church. But other than that, it was kind of like, it could be named whatever mm-hmm. that's, you know, yeah. that wasn't like a huge yeah. like deal, I guess you could Got say, it. but yeah. So, um, obviously we have been praying about this. We're going to be praying for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of us are going to come to the information meeting, but, uh, what does the next three months look like and, and, and what specific prayer things would you say or sur- kind of surround that? Yeah. Uh, I actually heard it put best. Uh, again, one of those families, we got invited over for dinner when people found out about the church plant. And uh, I think she's 12. This 12-year-old girl is sitting at the table. We're asking questions. What do you think about this? And she says, oh, it's just, it's like a really long mission trip to our city. <laughs> and I was like, you totally get it. Like, she gets it. And so... Um, 
basically think like we're going on a big mission trip. We're going to go raise funds and we're going to go share the gospel with people and we're going to labor. And yes, it's just going to be really long. So we're going to have to take care of ourselves. You can't just kill yourself in a week like you do on a mission trip. But um, yeah, be praying for God's provision and for our faithfulness, right? That there are no promises that anyone will say yes to the gospel, but we have faith that he has many in that city who are his people. And we want to go just simply extend that and do what this church does. Again, preaching the gospel, loving one another, going on mission. Um, so yeah, the Lord's provision and our faithfulness. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we're going to pray for you right now. Mm-hmm. Hey, join me in prayer. Father, what an, ex- gosh, so exciting. God, I, I, when I read the New Testament, I just, I see things like this. And God, I don't, you know, sometimes there's things that churches do and they may or may not be exactly what you want us to do. This one, God, is a no-brainer. This is exactly what we see in your word. And God, we believe that you are in this. And so, God, I pray that your spirit would go before them, kind of as a banner in front of them and over them. God, that you would protect them and their family and their marriage. Uh, God, what they're doing is taking the, taking the fight uh, to the darkness. And so, God, we should expect that the evil one is not very happy about this. And so, but God, we would say this, greater is he that's in Ryan and Sarah than he's that's in the world. And so, God, we don't need to go with fear. And so, God, just pray protection over them. And then, God, pray for favor for them as they interact with people. God, as they, as they do the hard work of developing uh, leaders and making disciples who will turn around and make disciples. And God, what a crazy thought that, God, who knows, in 10 years or whatever, that Highlands Baptist Church could be a church that plants other churches. How great would that be? God, we see the kingdom advance like that. So God, we pray your blessing over them as they go. God, we pray that you are speaking to people in our church right now about this wonderful adventure that you may be calling them to. And that God, uh, with everything, every time you speak to us, God, that our answer to you would be, yes, God, we obey because we love you. We say that in Jesus' name, amen. All right. They're gonna go ahead and step out. Go ahead and give a round of applause for them. You can take this chair. Obviously, uh, this has everything to do with multiply. Um, so I want you to hear uh, from Sam about uh, kind of just a recasting of exactly reminding us what, what is multiply? What are we doing with that? So take a look at this video. Hey, First Family. I'm going to take just a few minutes to update you on what God is doing in and through us as we multiply relationships, churches, environments for kingdom expansion in our city. We believe that right now is a crossroads moment for the future ministries in our church. And we right now are investing in multiplying relationships in our city so that we can make disciples for His glory. This fall, as we're walking through this Go Love Your Neighbor initiative, we're having conversations in our relationship groups, our life groups on campus, to hold each other accountable to engage new relationships for the glory of God. God is moving, we're hearing stories. We're also right now multiplying churches. As we invest through this summer, getting to see a church planting conference on campus, mission trips around the world to church partners, new national church plant initiative partners, and this fall, more conversations around local planting. You are part of multiplying the kingdom through multiplying churches. And then finally, multiplying environments. We've had teams praying over this for years, new steps with our financing that you helped us as we were part of that just recently. God is moving and we look like now being able to start construction end of January, beginning of February, and you are part of what God is doing. Thank you for your sacrificial generosity. If you are not yet part, you can still jump in as we together multiply relationships, churches, and environments. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go love your neighbor. So that's, for most of us, this is kind of a reminder, and that's what this is going to be for the next couple of weeks. But you say, well, why are we going over this again? 
two big reasons. One, um, you can never go over <laughs> uh, what we're about too much. Two, um, and I won't make you raise your hand, but the Lord has brought us probably hundreds of people since we talked about this back in February. That was like, you know, seven, eight, let's see, this is nine months ago. Math major, no. Uh, so we talked about this a long time ago, but the Lord has really brought us some new people. And so sometimes when we talk about in church, oh, about multiply, we've got folks in us in our life groups and around us that are going, what are you, what are you, what are you all talking about? So that video was very good in encapsulating kind of what, the, what, the, what we're about. So just an update on these things, relationships. God is moving. When we did our Go Love Your Neighbor series, we've got lots of stories that I don't have time to tell you today. Um, I, I, we, again, I could sit here for 10 hours and tell you the stories that of God is multiplying relationships. We got a, a, a letter just literally this week. I just wanted to read a section of it. We have partnered for years and years with a church back in Jackson, Mississippi. And a lot of times we've gone to them to do ministry, but this year they came to do ministry here. And after they got back, we got just last week we got this letter, and I'm just going to read a portion. It says, I also want to share with you something very special that has happened in our gospel partnership. Uh, that ministry is called His Heart. That's, and so they said our His Heart staff and young people came to McKinney in July to participate in a camp that we, we were doing here. Their students, from his heart, the students had some leadership responsibilities in the camp. They loved it, and we were overcome with joy in the leadership they discovered about themselves. This, this put a great plan in the hearts of the leaders of this ministry for our students to begin to share in the leadership for the Children's Bible Club back in Jackson. So, this fall, the students have been involved in training and are now providing the leadership for the Bible Club. This is a first in the 25-year history of his heart. And our hearts are celebrating this kingdom victory in the lives of our students. They learned at First McKinney that they could also lead and be used by God to help others learn about God's great love for them. They're becoming leaders. So that, again, this is one example of what we're talking about, the idea of multiplying relationships. I invest in this person so that they will invest in someone else so that they will invest in someone else. This is the model. So that's relationships. Churches, I'm not going to spend a lot of time. You've heard about that. The cool thing is this is not the first time we've partnered about a church plant. This is just more near and dear to us because it's Ryan and Sarah. Uh, so our church has been doing that. We just want to get, I mean, continue to pour fuel on that fire to plant churches because that reaches people that would probably never come here to this campus. And then the final thing is multiplying environments. Um, if you were with us, you know, back in February, I hope that you heard our heart that multiply is not about a building. It's just not. It's about multiplying relationships and planting churches and growing the kingdom. Now, we needed to address a facility on campus to facilitate the making of disciples. And so that's, that's why we, we've stepped into this. It is, of course, the most, <laughs> the most expensive part of this vision. And so you guys have been super faithful in that. Let me just give you a little update because we haven't really said much about it. Just as a reminder, this is kind of a Overhead view of, the, of what we're talking about, that the, the rock and everything would go away. That's the red. And then this is this new student building. And this is a big community lobby that will finally connect up the entire campus. You will no longer have to go outside when it's 105 to go get your kids or it's sleeting. It's going to all be a nice inside and a nice front entry. This is going to overhead if you're flying in a helicopter over the church. This is kind of the new main, this is where the, the rock was or is right now, but will go away. And this will be a nice new main front entry in, into the church. You'll enter in this big, spacious, airy, kind of commons area where people can meet and greet. Uh, this is another angle, of course, because the Bible tells us that the Spirit of God cannot move in a church unless you have coffee. we got the coffee bar. Uh, what you're looking at here is that's going to be the student building right there. And then you can see off through the glass, you can see the children's building. You kind of go around like that. Uh, there's an overview of kind of the student area. This is kind of walking in, fun hangout area. This is their main uh, kind of meeting worship room. This is another big room. It's kind of a multi-purpose room. You play, you know, dodgeball, basketball, other stuff, and also used for, uh, uh, you know, meet, meeting space on Sunday mornings. So that's kind of the update on, on building stuff. Let me give you some more updates. Uh, we're, we just kind of finished up our seventh month of, of our multiplied giving. And we're just shy of uh, $6.5 million given already, which is incredible. Um, another thing that, yay, verily, tomorrow, I think, 
this, what the company's told us, those, the portable buildings that are back there where the student building will go, the, the temporary buildings that we've had, I think, since the Nixon administration, uh, those temporary portable buildings, yay, verily, tomorrow, are supposed to be moved to start getting things ready. So I'm very excited about that. The architects have been working for months. That's why you haven't heard much about this because there's not much to report. The architects have been finally finished up their drawings. They're now going to bid with the, all the subcontractors. We should have the final price here right before Thanksgiving. Uh, then we'll go to the executive committee, make sure that we're all locked and loaded to move forward. Um, then the plans will go to the city. Then we're kind of at the mercy of the city. They say it takes about eight weeks. We'll see. Uh, and then hopefully get the green light from them. And Sam said in the video, uh, end, of, end of January, 1st of February, it'll probably be more mid-February. Hopefully we'll start moving dirt. And then we're looking at about a 15, 16 month um, calendar for that. Uh, so anyway, very, very exciting uh, things. And just wanted to update you on that. Now, two things I wanna do to close. One, if you were not with us back in February when we, we as a church committed and said, hey, we believe that God wants us to be a church that multiplies, and we are going, and so the challenge to the church back in February is the challenge I'm going to give to you today. What we did is we just got the church together, and we just said this, would you please, all we're asking, please go have a conversation with God. We're asking you to have a personal encounter with God about, related to your giving towards the mission of the Lord, towards this multiply idea. Just go talk to him. The Lord knows we're not worried about it. You go, if everyone will just go talk to God and then just obey, no problem. So I'm going to challenge you if you were not with us, or maybe you were with us. Maybe you were here during that time and it just, I don't know, it wasn't a good time for you to, to make that commitment at that time. Right in front of you, in your pew, everybody look right in front of you in your pew, there are commitment cards. They look like this. Everybody pull this out real quick. Even if you say, no, I've already done this before, just pull it out and humor me. So again, if you, for whatever reason, didn't, weren't able to jump on board back in February or you're new to our church, we're going to invite you to do what we are all doing, to be a part of our church. We are experiencing the blessing of sacrificially giving to the Lord and him using the resources he's given us to advance his kingdom. And so, yeah, we're going to ask you if you would consider joining up with us. And so on the right hand of that card, you can see right there, I don't have time because we're running out of time. I'm not going to go through it all with you, but it's pretty self-explanatory, basically, you know, the first box is, what would you normally be giving in a month towards the work of the Lord? The second box is basically, what, what do I feel like God's calling me up to? Uh, and you kind of add that, you multiply it, blah, blah, blah. It's all right there on the card. So if you'll just do that, if you have any trouble with that, you can find a staff member, we can help you. And I'm asking you to, to really take that card today and really pray over that. Don't just fill the card out today. <laughs> Go talk to God and then just obey whatever he tells you to do. Fill the car out, and then you just bring it back. You can, uh, we'll have baskets at the doors. You can put them in the blue boxes around the church. You can hand it to a staff member, whatever. Now, last thing I'm going to ask you to do is, and this is for everyone. You say, well, Chris, I already know this. I've already, I did my card back in February. I'm all in, blah, blah, blah. Great, cool. This is for everyone, this last thing. Out in the connection, you'll see it. You can't miss it. Big stuff about multiply out there. Uh, if you don't have a shirt, and maybe, again, maybe you weren't here with us, but now you're going to commit and be a part of this with us, feel free to get a shirt. But here's what I want everyone really to do. There's a, you're going to see this M. It's about this tall. It's an M. And so there's all these, and then right beside it are all these ping pong balls. What I would love for everyone to do is stop by there. There's some Sharpie markers and a bazillion ping pong balls. I would love you to take a ping pong ball, and I would love for you to write the name of somebody that you would like to see become a disciple of Jesus. Somebody maybe you've been praying for. And you say, why are we doing that? We believe this is probably our best way to remind ourselves, what is Multiply all about? What are we doing? Oh, we're building a new student building. No, <laughs> that's not what we're doing. We're trying to make disciples and expand the kingdom. That's what it's about. And so to remind us that it's really about people would you just stop by, grab a ping pong ball, write somebody's name, and drop it in the M, and it'll fill up. And it'll just be a visual reminder to us, what are we doing? 
We're about bringing the gospel to people and making disciples who turn around and make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Does that make sense? Everybody do that for me? Awesome. Well, hey, I'm gonna pray in just a moment. But if you were here today and you, you know, what Ryan was talking about, this idea, this mission God has us on, the kind of the, the given on that, the, the assumed thing is that you are actually a Christ follower because this is who does what he was talking about. If you don't know, if you're a guest here today and you haven't maybe been in church or this Christianity stuff is kind of new and you're thinking, I don't know about going to plan in a church. I, I'm just new to church. I don't even know what I'm, you know, I don't even know what this is all about. We would love to talk to you about that. So when we're done here, if you'll just head right out these doors, head down the hallway, we've got some folks we would love nothing more to sit down and talk to you about what it looks like, what it means to follow Christ and to be on this mission that Ryan just preached about. So I want to invite you to do that. Don't, don't leave today without doing that. Super important. All right, let's pray together. Father, we love you. We just are so excited about what you're doing in our church, God. God, sometimes we don't even understand <laughs> how great we have it. God, to be a part of a church where you're moving, where you're seeing people coming, becoming disciples. God, we, had, we have three people getting baptized in the next service just as a picture of that. Um, God, we see people being made into disciples. We see people going out into the harvest and taking the gospel to people and starting little communities of faith. And God, it's, you're just so good. And we just are desperate to get in line with you and to join you in what you're doing. And so, God, help every one of us take a next step, exactly what Ryan talked about, take a next step. God, we love you, and we say that in Jesus' name. All right, go love. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us today for Worship Online. If you're in our area, we want to invite you to come to physically connect to your local church. We would love to help you to live and love like Jesus alongside of others who are doing the same. If you're from outside of our area, can I challenge you to find a local church in your area that's going to preach the Bible and exalt Jesus? Smash the like button, subscribe, share with friends, and turn on notifications if you'd like to stay up to date with us. And thanks again for joining us.